Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, it's Mark Flalo on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield and myself. Thank you so much for taking a listen to this podcast. Do us a little favor if you would. If you love the show, give us a five-star review and don't forget to follow us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. We appreciate it and we love doing the show for you guys. Without further ado, here's today's episode. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Thank you guys so much for being along for the ride. I am Mark Aflalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. And we're, we're very excited because this past week we had one of the first in-person events. Well, we weren't actually there. But NAM um, took place in Nashville and a lot of really cool announcements, which we're going to be talking about over the coming weeks. But I wanted to welcome our next guest. Her name is Jessica Powell, and she is the CEO and the co-founder of a company called Audio Shake. Jessica, welcome to Your Tech Report. Thank you so much for being here. For those of you guys listening, we're also going to post a video about this on YouTube because there's a, a visual component here that we want to talk about as well for, for people who are referencing it. So thank, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, I hope you had a great week. Obviously, it was uh, interesting to be uh, back in person, I, I'm assuming. How did it feel? It was hot. Okay. Yep. Uh, first time in Nashville for a music event and first time at any kind of work event in like 18 months, I feel like it's kind of surreal. Yeah, like I, can, I, I almost I had a moment imagine. of like, how do I get on a plane again? How does that work? I'm still trying to figure that one out. I haven't quite figured that out yet. I think that <laughs> uh, I tell people when my kids are vaccinated, then I think I'll be a little bit more relieved that I don't have to worry about it. Um, let's talk audio shake. Before we even get into that, let's talk about your background a bit, because you have a background in tech and AI. So how does that go from, you know, working at companies like Google to founding your own company? Where, where did that shift happen and why did it happen? Let's see. I actually started my career off in music. I was in CZAC in Paris, which is um, the international authors rights organization. So they represent um, music, art, like basically the arts across the board, but their member societies would be folks like uh, ASCAP, BMI, CZAC and so forth. Um, So I started off actually in music and specifically in copyright um, in Paris. And um, which was a total, it was, an amazing experience in the sense that I, it was a very thorough education in copyright. Um, and I think, you know, it, it both made me think that the music industry had missed um, a few things on the copyright side, that it wasn't always in favor of artists. It wasn't always in favor of innovation. Um, but also it gave me a huge amount of respect, particularly for um, the fundamental connection between artists and their work, which is, I think, much stronger from a legal perspective in Europe than in the US, the moral right. Um, And that was something that really stuck with me as I went then into technology and went in a totally different direction and ended up going to work at Google. I was at Google for a very, very long time, uh, worked at a startup. Um, But as over the years, both being kind of part of the startup scene and the tech scene generally, the thing that really struck me was that in the Valley, we were creating all these really, really cool tech products that were for the most part, always sort of consumer first, right? Like how do we get these really, really cool things in the hands of consumers, a video platform or a music platform. And that artists kind of are an afterthought. They're actually the people powering all the content and powering these amazing experiences. 
but they, no one really thought of them in the first instance. It would be like after the fact, they'd come back and be like, look how we built this amazing platform that allows you to market your content, right? Um, and so after spending years in tech and, and, and finally my last stint, I was at Google, then I did a startup, then I went back to Google. Um, and when I was finally, when I knew I was done kind of working at a big company, um, you know, I thought I was going to spend like a year soul searching or doing some <laughs> sort of Thoreauian exploration and instead actually very quickly ended up starting what would eventually become audio shake. And my co-founder and I, um, well, I'm actually the whole team. We're all musicians of varying levels of skill. Um, but we're all musicians. We're all, um, very passionate about helping artists make more money for their work. And so we knew we wanted to do something that put, um, rights holders and artists like thought of them first rather yeah. than thinking of them second. Um, that and seems to be an important battle that one of the, one that we're facing a lot, especially in North America um, artists, you know, we hear a lot of stories about artists making, you know, chump change compared to the producers and the distributors and all that goes with it. And, and I think we've seen a big shift over the past couple of years as well, where uh, artists now have the platforms that of course you helped in, in design and other people helped in design to market their own music themselves, to be discovered on platforms like YouTube, to be discovered on social media, which kind of skips the middleman at that point. So we're seeing artists these days realize that, wait a second, I can actually keep more, more of, of the pie. And we can, you know, talk about stories like, you know, Metallica buying back their library, or you talk about Taylor Swift and, and the, you know, tr struggles she's endured over the past couple of years about her library. But it's, it's a big issue, you know, giving artists the ability to maintain the biggest piece of the pie that they can, because they created this product. And so when we, um, you know, I don't want to pretend that we are solving all of the industry's problems or, you know, overnight making artists millions and millions of dollars. But what we're very focused on is how we can help artists make more money from their songs. And in some cases, that's going to be working with artists directly, like independent artists. And in other cases, it is, um, uh, we're working with the various parties that manage those rights, the publishers and the, like the masters holders and everything, usually the labels. Um, and that will still make it back to the artists, obviously in varying percentages. So where did this idea come from? And really, at the end of the day, explain what what the platform what is. is. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Jessica, enough of the philosophy. Like, what is this? No, thing? no, I like the philosophy. Um, I like a little bit of background. <laughs> so um, Audio Shake, we use AI to break songs, almost you could think of them as being deconstructed into their component parts, which are called stems. Um, so that if you think of a song as the thing you hear on the radio or on Spotify or Sirius, there's the song, like the final mix, but there's also all the parts of that. So there's the vocals, maybe the drums, the guitars, right? All the different instruments. And then there's also the instrumental, which isn't technically called a stem, but we call it a stem because when we're the way we think about breaking a song apart, yeah. we can create instrumentals on the fly too. And what's where, where this all started was we had no, we were not music industry people. We were technology people. But we were also, my co-founder and I uh, both lived in Japan and got very into karaoke when we were living in Japan. And we'd get so annoyed when we'd go do karaoke that both of us were really into punk rock. <laughs> and all I wanted, all I wanted was to karaoke to like the Buzzcocks and Gang of Four. And I couldn't do it anywhere. And so I was perfectly also happy to do, you know, Brown Eyed Girl and like the standards. Yeah, of course. Not a snob. I'm like, those are great songs too. I would never call you a karaoke um, snob. <laughs> but um but then i was doing karaoke to these really horrible midi versions 
right? Like it, and horrible, horrible. Um, and I always kind of wondered, God, like would art, like with the person who wrote this song, the songwriter or the performer, would they, what would they think of this image of me right now, half drunk in a bar and this terrible, like almost organ sound, you know, version of their song. Um, Clearly done in a basement with some guy on a keyboard, right? (laughs) Right, right. And so um, it it very much started from this kind of just question of like, like, dude, could what if you could karaoke to any song in the world, right? And you didn't have to have these horrible cover versions. And we were just saying, well, could you use AI to break a song apart? And that was really the kernel of it. It really just started off with a question. We had no idea for a business. We had no idea of anything. But as we started out, building it and started talking to people that were actually working musicians or people that were in the music business. They started saying, wait, what? Like you karaoke. Yes, absolutely. That's cool. But have you ever heard of sync licensing? Have you ever heard of putting instrumentals in movies or commercials? Have you thought about the remix possibilities? Of course we knew about splice and sampling and that kind of thing. And we had thought about that, but I don't think we'd entirely considered the world of spatial audio or immersive audio, all of this stuff is actually built on the back of stems. And it was really as we were building the technology that we started to realize that there was a a much bigger opportunity here and to do something um, that I would ideally help unlock a lot of new revenue for musicians and the industry. Yeah. I mean, thinking back to some of the artists that aren't even with us anymore, whose music all we have are the, the stereo mixes you know and and right. we you know in, until technology like this was available we couldn't do anything with it we didn't have masters we didn't have you know multi-track versions of songs available people didn't really think about those back then you know th- this is really a game changer when it comes to you know technology uh, or, or using music like that in a whole new different way what was there a, a definitive light bulb moment that went off that said wait a second this is now this is something that we can commercialize. This is something that we can turn into a product. I know that obviously there's a lot of R&D, and, and, but was there a point in time when someone looked at it and said, wow, you could do this, and your and the light bulb went off going, okay, wait a second, we have something here that really can do something. We were talking to a friend, someone we had worked with in tech, but then who had gone on to be an exec, like a CTO at a music label. And we were talking general AI stuff and catching up and he said, Oh, what are you doing? And we described it and we, we were just laughing. Oh yeah. It's kind of fun. You could imagine doing karaoke. Like we were talking about it more as just an exploratory thing. And he was like, wait a second. Like the label I worked at on the publishing side, they also had a publishing arm 30 to 50% of the time when we had instrumental requests, we couldn't fulfill them. And, And I was like, Oh, you mean like, Nina Simone or like, I immediately went to mono track, right. Is what I was thinking of like really old songs. And, and he was like mono track. I mean, yeah, sure. But I'm not even thinking about that. And then I said, Oh, you mean like, I don't know, John boat, John, like maybe analog, the era of analog multi-tracks. So kind of post Beatles through to like the nineties or something. I was like, like that. Yeah. I guess that's a lot of music too. And he's like, He's like, yes, that, but he's like, not, it's not just that. He's like, there was a whole era of music in the transition to digital where the stems, if they were ever created, got lost. Um, in the case where you had analog multi-tracks, a lot of those tapes are damaged yeah. or lost so in some warehouse somewhere. Uh, there was that famous universal fire yeah. right, uh, about 10 years ago. 
um, where, and I think the figures were sort of disputed, but I remember there was, I think in the New York Times, they said something like it was like half a billion dollars worth of master's tapes. Um, but even contemporary tracks. So theoretically, and certainly if there's any artists listening to this, um, I hope they uh, keep their stems and and are um, taking the, their future and even current opportunities for STEM seriously. Um, but even today, it's not uncommon for STEMs to not be handed over, even though they're part of most label contracts now. Um, quite often, just the final mix gets handed over or and the STEMs stay on the Pro Tools session of the producer who mixed it and in the moment that they're needed, the producer's out of town or whatever it might. And then, or they get passed over and depending on the receiving party, the label, whomever it might be, how, how are those stems organized? How are they described, labeled? How is the metadata tied to all that? So there's a, just a lot of, there's far more gaps even in contemporary um, STEM storage and STEM creation and so forth than you would expect. Yeah, there's no, I mean, think about it. There's no real standard, right? There's no real, you know, if you look at the the, the motion picture industry and the movie industry, there's there's standards, there are requirements, there are, you have to deliver this, this needs to be, you know, backing with it. And on the music side of things, it's really, I guess, up to contracts and, and artists and everybody's style, every, every producer, every, you know, mastering engineer has a different style and a different way of archiving things. And if there's no standard for it, if there's no repository, how can it work? Um, you're going to show us a little demo here. So for you guys listening on the radio, I apologize, but we're going to we're going to he- link you over to the YouTube channel, which is yourtechreport.com slash, uh, sorry, youtube.com slash yourtechreport. You're going to give us a little demo of how this works. And, and I know it takes some time, so we'll we'll kind of you know have a conversation during the process. But um, I'll let you share your screen and we can dive into this and we can we can chat a little while you're actually doing it and explain what might be going on in the background to make things happen here. So this is the platform that we have for primarily labels and music publishers, um, audio engineers, folks who need to create a large volume of stems. Uh, you basically, it's super easy to use. You upload the song that you want to run. Um, and let's just put it in here. We'll just do, um, why don't we do instrumental and vocals? Cause that's very quick. Perfect. But basically the person um, uploads the song, ideally in high res, we can do MP3s, but, um, it's always better to start with high resolution. Yeah, the more and more uh, information so they have in the file, I guess, the more information that's you can true. That's also true, right? Like you can, if, we, if it's, well, unless it's wave, because then you can't copy over the metadata. Um, but but yes, it'd be, um, it'd be amazing if everyone was using FLAC and AIFF. <laughs> everyone gives so be. much hate to FLAC and I don't understand it. But um, uh, so we've right here, we've just created an instrumental and an acapella track. Um, but AudioShake also does drums, bass, and guitar. Um, I think we're the only ones in the world to do guitar. Um, that was technically quite difficult because guitar sounds like so many other instruments. Yeah. Um, and we're working on um, a few more stems right now as well. Now, what's uh, happening? What, 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 sorry, what's what's happening in the background here? What you know? What kind of information did you have to supply to your AI to be able to accurately separate all that information of the music? Because I have to assume there's a lot of you know sample data that needs to be in there for it to be able to decipher what's what. So what we do is um, we train on thousands and thousands of stems, not AI generated stems, but real stems um, where we know what they are, Um, vocals, drum, bass stems, and so forth. That then teaches the uh, model how to recognize those instruments in songs it's never seen before. So our model never trained on this particular song that I uploaded, but it's still going to recognize vocals. It's still going to recognize um, uh, the drums. Um, it can, it's, it's not hundred percent perfect. It can sometimes be thrown for a loop. 
Um, for example, we have not trained yet on a lot of auto-tune data. Yeah. We started with the assumption that more contemporary music would have stems. And so we were more interested in targeting older music. So we haven't trained on auto-tune data. So if you send us a like super, super T-Pain, not like the normal level of auto-tune that appears in most songs today, but really super like processed. a level above that, yeah. sometimes the AI will be like, this is not human. Um, and it will not <laughs> break it up as a vocal stem. Um, and uh, so that, that can happen. Um, occasionally with older recordings, um, you can see that uh, sometimes the separation is actually perfect. Um, we had a, a client the other day that was using this for a very, like an iconic kind of 1930s song. Um, and the separation was excellent, but you can hear now that everything's been separated in this monotrack recording, you can hear what almost sounds like a microphone being moved or muffled or something. Yeah. You can hear imperfections in that recording that you probably would want to touch up manually, um, you know, afterwards anyway. It's amazing uh, how much music hides. It's, ama it's amazing how much the music itself and the production itself hides some of the imperfections. Yeah, absolutely. I, I joke about and, this. We were watching an award show or it was, it was the 4th of July ceremonies and there was Nashville performances and stuff going on. Actually, Nashville was great. It was some of the other performances like Black Eyed Peas in Miami. And it didn't sound that great on TV. And my wife was going, how do they do this? I'm like, on site, it probably sounds really good. But for TV, all they're doing is they're taking this you now stereo mix from a board somewhere and no one's really paying attention to the way that's going to sound on television. Right. So unfortunately, yeah, yeah. we're hearing a bit more than we should. And it doesn't sound that great. Whereas if you right. were on site, you'd have this nice polished mix that's that's done for on site. So I can imagine exactly what you said. Separating these elements sometimes doesn't necessarily give you what you uh, what you expected. Well, now imagine you could use, say, AI to remove bleed from live performances, right? Yeah. And that would make for a much better experience. And if you could do it almost in real time. Um, in this case, our song um, took, I think I wasn't paying attention, maybe 30 seconds. Not run. even not even 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, so let me tee it up for a part where we're not just in instrumentals. So we'll do like around here. Um, I'll just play, uh, particularly because no one on the radio or anywhere else wants to have to listen to audio recorded over zoom <laughs> then on the on the radio so we'll do very short but i'll just play a few seconds of the original song and then for those on the radio i'm going to then shift to isolating the acapella okay uh and then i'll um, go back to the original and then we'll do a couple seconds of instrumental and for very those quick. obviously obviously taking a listen to this now what we're seeing on the screen now is you see the separated tracks so you see the you know, play pause button it's a really nice web interface um uh, you see one layer of just vocals it name, names it vocals on mp3 and you can see visually if you're used to you know handling audio that that's clearly just its vocals and then you see another track that's the music so let's take a listen all right So that's just the vocal. <laughs> that's really impressive. <laughs> and there you go. That's really impressive. Can we play a bit more of the instrumental? So this is the instrumental alone. So just oh, the sure. instrumental. So you can hear when you're listening to this, no vocals whatsoever. Sure. Wow. Very cool. That's insane. That's honestly that, you know, the fact that we 
can now using AI and using you know computer learning separate that kind of information that it's never seen before is is quite impressive. How how much smarter does it get over time? Like as you process more and more, have you seen uh, a specific specific rate of improvement over time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it would be hard to quantify or. The, the most honest answer would be we have not tried to quantify or look, um, spend a ton of time necessarily. We, we know the differences, uh, every, we, we measure them in decibels. We know the differences between say the model we have right now and the model we had say six months ago. Um, but uh, in terms of kind of what, from a perception level, which itself is interesting because people perceive, it's very interesting when, for example, audio engineers work with our tool, they would occasionally prefer um, a slightly less perfect separation sometimes that might even have a couple of artifacts Okay. versus if, because it, then they can work with that versus if you're dealing with someone perhaps on the sync licensing side, they just want the crispest separation um, because they're not going to be doing any other work. They're going to be handing over that instrumental yeah. to the music supervisor at a movie studio or whatever it might be. Um, and so, uh, but anyway, the, the, it's, it's, it's quite, um, striking just how um how much you say compared to other technologies like yeah. how fast ai can um make improvements on things that on problems that we've been you know tackling for decades so where do you go from this point forward so where's your you know who, who's your target market is it the is it people who just want to you know do sync licensing who want to use the music for various other purposes is it the artists themselves is it a combination of all of it so if if you have the rights to a piece of music, or you have permission to work with the music, you could be a third party, for example, yeah. um, then, then we're here to help. So um, the platform I showed you that is primarily used by um, uh, record labels, distributors, music publishers, but we have indie artists that come to us through the site every day. Um, and we're hoping to build something out for them as well, a, a different kind of experience because they don't need to be stemming hundreds of tracks and so forth. Um, but, uh, we, we get a lot of indie artists, for example, that come to us wanting to create instrumentals that they can then use, to, for example, um, recording that they can hand over to like a production licensing service, that kind of thing where, so they can make a little bit extra money off of their tracks. Now, do you foresee this as, or, or is it going to be a platform people can kind of self-service or is there always going to be a point where they're going to be hands-on or there's going to be some kind of interaction with the artist to make sure they have the rights, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if you're a label or you're a publisher on the platform, um, it's entirely self-service. So everything I just showed you, they, they can do themselves. Because we haven't built out an interface for artists yet, um, they would just come to us and we would run it for them. Um, but when we have the artist interface, they'll be able to do it themselves as well. And yes, there'll be checks to make sure that it's not just, I don't know, the 16-year-old kid in their yeah, bedroom wanting to all of a sudden like... Do like, a Minecraft video with some kind of uh, Guns like, N' Roses song. haunting me in my dreams. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we'll have some checks on that. So before, before I let you go, talk to me about your team. How big is the team? How big is the, the company now? Uh, there's five of us okay. and we're split between, uh, we're entirely, we were remote before we'll continue to remain remote. Uh, there's two of us in San Francisco, uh, one in Texas, another in New York, and then another in France. So we're spread pretty far out. Um, I imagine. yeah. And where it's, um, it's right now it's all engineering and researchers. That's amazing. 
Well, honestly, thank you so much for taking to the time to kind of show us this technology. It just, I, I love having conversations like this because it really kind of sparks the imagination, the things that we can do that we didn't even realize that we could do, which is why it's fun to discover companies and, and products like AudioShake. If people do want to learn more, where should they go? Uh, AudioShake.ai. And one thing I'll just say really quickly, if I, if I may, that's kind of, of cool if you're thinking about the future. There's been a lot of conversation around AI-generated music. Um, and what happens and what's interesting about that. I mean, first of all, I don't think AI generated music is getting rid of human music anytime <laughs> soon. It's still a, it's still pretty bad. Um, but also there's, um, I think, I think the humans are good for a while. Um, but what's interesting about AI generated music is that's all happening in the computer. It's not built off of stems. And so if you then want to deconstruct the AI song, right, you actually need technology like this. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to me, yeah, this idea so cool. of, on the one hand, AI is automating everything, and yet it's automated almost too much because then you can't break it apart without using another AI to then break it apart. That's insane. So. Uh, Jessica Powell, uh, again, from AudioShake, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope to have you on again and talk more about how this kind of grows over the future, but uh, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. There you have it, guys. AudioShake.ai is where you can find out more about that. And, of course, everything we talked about on this week's show, you can head on over to our social media. It is all at your tech report, especially the video demonstration of that you could find at YouTube.com slash your tech report. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Marco Flalo. Thank you guys so much for being here each and every week. Don't forget to like and subscribe the podcast version of this show, wherever podcasts are found, including Pandora, of course, and Apple Music. Uh, thank you for being here. We'll chat with you again next week here on Your Tech Report. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.